Thanks for joining us for today's episode, Martha the Pileated Woodpecker. Welcome to Bird Bits, Stories of Rehabilitation. My name is Tanya Prachnow, and I am a state and federally permitted wildlife rehabilitator located in northern Michigan. Bird Bits shares educational information based on what we do at With Feathers Avian Rescue. You will hear updates on the birds that we see, stories and information behind the situations that bring them to our care. We hope this podcast helps you understand just a little bit better what is involved in wildlife rehabilitation. So today's episode is, I was asked about favorite birds. Well, with favorite birds, they arrive with no warning. When a bird arrives, you don't know that they're going to be your favorite because it's something that develops during their care. So this particular bird was a female pileated woodpecker. She arrived at the end of June. She came from Sheboygan, and she was found in a yard, unable to fly, with no parents around. She was at that age between nestling and fledgling, and that's an age that we see a lot of birds. Basically, the babies have gotten too big. They've grown so much that they don't fit in the nest very well. And if there's more than one young, they start kicking at each other and somebody eventually falls out of the nest under the ground. At that age, since they're not flying, once they're on the ground, you have a group that don't move at all. And then you have the ones that have developed a bit more that are able to hop and they'll hop all over the place. Usually the parents will follow them and they'll feed them and keep track of them. But some babies just, um, they don't stick with the parents. And those are usually the ones that um, end up being found and brought to us. So the challenge with, um, with this little one was that she was not eating on her own yet and expecting parents to feed her. However, she was old enough to be afraid of me. So most baby birds that we see eat insects as as fledglings and nestlings. And so feeding her would consist of, um, we primarily use um, waxworms, mealworms, and crickets. And so it would take a forcep and you would pick up a group of insects and you would go to feed her and she would see the food and she'd get really excited and she wanted the food and then she would see who was holding the food. And so she would peck my hand and the insects would drop and then we would start over. And so we tried a few techniques just um, to be out of her sight range so that she did not see me. Um, She was just really leery of you know, being fed at all. And so it was a challenging week because you would finally get enough insects in her and then half an hour later you would start again at the next round of feeding and that was an all-day process. So after her being there about a week, it was it was very nice when she finally started eating on her own. So uh, using the live insects is really helpful because with their wiggling, it makes them look like something, you know, really exciting to peck at. And so that's really helpful. So about a weekend, she was self-feeding, which was the first step. So since she was um, moving around more, the next challenge would be caging. 
So with birds, you don't necessarily want metal caging because it can damage their feathers. And we don't want that because damaging their feathers means they're not going to be able to fly like they should. Um, the other type of caging is like a butterfly net, um, a butterfly type caging. But with um, the, her size and her ability to pack, that wasn't really a good choice either. And then um, there's also, we have some um, wood framed um, caging, but she's a woodpecker, so wood is not the best for her as well. So she ended up spending her time in our large bird room. So it is a walk-in pen that is four by six by six high, and we usually use it for herons, eagles, anything large that you wouldn't really want to stick your face in a, a kennel or a cage to get them in and out. So this has a door so you can walk in. Now the benefit of this room is it has a plastic laminate on the walls like you would have in a shower. And so it's easy for cleanup. Um, in her case, it was something that she couldn't peck at. So we moved in several um, large dead trees and stumps and she spent the next uh, week, week and a half possibly, in that large pen until she was able to flap and flutter and, and go from one, one branch and one side of the cage to the other flying. At that point, it was time to move her outside to the aviary. So we had to do a few modifications to the aviary because it is, um, it is wood-framed. And so the wood had to be protected f from her beak because she could really take things apart. So once she was moved out, um, birds need to spend at least two weeks outside getting used to the weather, um, being rained on, feeling the wind, seeing the sky, listening to the calls around them. So during that time... Um, the challenge is to get her ready for a release. Now, with woodpeckers, and especially with pileated, they tend to stay with their parents longer than other birds. In the case of pileated, they can stay with their parents up to three months after they're flying. And during that time, they learn what predators sound like, they learn how to escape, they learn how to find food, and they have their parents to help them find food if they're not very good at it. So in the case of a woodpecker, you need to do a soft release. A soft release means that you are letting them go, but you are still providing them safety if they feel like they want to go back into their pen. You're providing them with a place, a consistent place for food and water to come back to so that if they're having difficulty, um, they know where to get the support that they need. Now, the other thing with the pileated um, she needed to, she would be flying around and would have to learn when I was putting the food and water out. So one of the things that was recommended to me is that she needed a noise to learn a specific noise that would be a food signal. Now, it could be you ring a bell. It could be you yell a specific word like you yell food. In the case of her, of this particular bird, I decided to choose a name. Now, obviously, she didn't know it was a name. She probably thought I was yelling food. But to me, it felt funny to yell something else. So I'm going to be yelling 
this bird's name for the next three months, and I wanted it to be something appropriate for a woodpecker. So, um, what do you name a woodpecker? Well, this is this was my thinking. I went to the history books and I started looking, and I found um, here in Michigan a lady whose name is she was born Martha Hawkins in 1847 in Ann Arbor, and um, she she married James Hay and moved to Saginaw uh, when she was older, and her husband ran a lumber a lumber company. Now, they ended up um, having nine children, and in 1881, her husband died, and so she took over the lumber company, and she's known as one of the, one of a very few female lumber barons from that time period, um, and I thought um, a woman who was known for lumber would be a good name for a pileated woodpecker, so that's how she became Martha. So, on... August 13th, Martha was released. Um, She had a specific food tree. So I had hooked containers to the side of the tree. They would be like the type of um, food that would go in a parrot's cage. So it had two little hooks on it. And so I basically tied a rope around the tree and hung, um, hung this food dish there. I've actually... I put two food dishes and a suet cake in that tree, and then I put um, a water pot, um, like a planting pot liner at the bottom of the tree that was full of water. And so she was released, and every morning and every evening I would go out and yell for Martha, and um, she would hear me, and she'd fly in, and she'd clean up the food, and off she'd go, and she would talk the whole time. And so um, it was an amazing thing. I think that's when she, in in just raising her, she wasn't necessarily a favorite. But at that point in time, she did become a favorite because it was just amazing to go out and yell and to have her come in and eat. She didn't really want anything to do with me necessarily. But as I said, yelling Martha meant for her that there was food ready for her to eat. Now, we didn't really expect her to stay permanently. We do occasionally see pileated woodpeckers, but um, our property here is not necessarily what would be perfect for them. So she was comfortable, but she would fly off during the day to uh, in the direction of a larger forest, and she would she would come in and check in twice a day. Now, what was really interesting is... I have my own birds. I have chickens in the in a different section. And she would see me out feeding the chickens, and she would come buzz the area, hoping that I would feed her. And, of course, all of my chickens were terrified that this was a hawk coming in. So Martha buzzing the chicken coop was quite an event because she would set off all the chickens and the guinea fowl, and everybody would be squawking because she was buzzing through hoping for some food. So she just, she was, she had a personality and she had quite a character. So she ended up um, staying and sticking around until the first snowfall, which was in October. And then she left and we have not seen her since. We didn't necessarily expect to see her, um, but I often wonder what she's up to and what she's doing. 
Uh, she's a, a bird I definitely will not forget. Um, and it was just amazing experience. Um, like I said, um, you don't choose a favorite bird. It's just, it kind of surprises you as you're caring for them. Um, you just learn their personality and it happens. It's not, um, it's not even a favorite species. It's just, um, it just happens. We do have a very many nestling fledglings that arrive here. And so I would say if you find a young bird on the ground, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it needs help. If there's an obvious wound, if it has bugs on it, um, if you see blood, those are all immediate reasons that would need to be seen. But if it's just hopping on the, around on the ground, it doesn't necessarily need help. The best thing to do is to back off a ways and watch and see if you see parents coming in um, maybe once an hour even just to to feed and check on, on the fledgling. If that's the case, it's in the perfect place and you don't need to do anything. If you don't see any parents after an hour or so, um, it's likely that it has gotten away from its parents and it does need help. And that's a situation where it can be brought to us. If you find a young bird, do not try to give it water. Um, young birds do not drink water and they can actually aspirate it and um, it can kill them. They do, like I said, most eat a primarily insect-based diet. There are finches that eat seed-based pigeons that eat seed-based, doves, but primarily the insects are what they're going to need. So feeding them cat food, dog food, please don't. Just contact us and um, if you really think it looks dehydrated and needs help, usually the safest thing is to give it um, a blueberry, blueberry, raspberry, a couple of berries, and that is less likely to harm them and to give them some moisture. But um, please call first if you can reach us because um, a, a lot of times food is, um, they're fed an incorrect diet and it makes the situation worse. If you would like to see a little bit more about Martha from today's episode, you can go to our website, withfeathers.org. Look for the tab that says podcast, and you will find additional information that has to do with today's podcast. We look forward to talking to you again next week, and thank you for listening. Have a great day.